G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 9 of This Week in Startups Australia. Throughout Series 9, we have focused on one question, like a laser beam. What is it that makes a startup successful? Is it a great idea? Is it a great team? Is it great customers? Or is it something else altogether? This is an important question for all startups. It's a fundamental question, and throughout this entire series, we have looked for answers. We've spoken to people who have achieved success. We asked them how it happened. We've spoken to startups on the road to success. We're asking them what they're learning along the way. And now, with all of those conversations behind us, it's time to ask ourselves what have we learned? And it's time to review, reveal, and then revel in the collected and collective wisdom of founders, investors, and ecosystem leaders. We've learned the secrets to startup success, and we'll be sharing them on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Go to squarespace.com slash twista for a free trial. Twista is sponsored by Odoo, a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Go to odoo.com slash Twista to check it out. Twista's production partner for Series 9 is UTS Startups, where they're equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To learn more about UTS Startups, go to startups.uts.edu.au. There is one person we haven't spoken to in Twista Series 9, one voice we haven't heard from yet because, well, I was saving him for this. Mario Herbst needs no introductions. He was the person who took fish burners from tiny to titanic, and now he's heading up UTS startups and looks set to transform tertiary education into something very well-suited for a startup-centric 21st century. And... Along with Jason Calacanis, Murray is the patron saint of this podcast, one of the two individuals who made it possible. So it is always a great pleasure to welcome Murray back to This Week in Startups Australia. Welcome, Murray. Hello, Mark. Uh, I was going to say the podcast has been going really well this season, but uh, you're letting everyone down now. I'm really pleased to be here. Um, (laughs) And uh, who would have thought uh, nine seasons ago when you're starting out in in the basement at Fishburners that uh, you would produce this 
giant volume of incredible information and, and support for Australian startup founders and for people that want to understand Australian startups. This is incredible and I'm very happy to be here. Uh, it is our pleasure. And I think it's also, I think, emphasize the differences. I think everyone thinks that startups are just like they are, say, in Silicon Valley. And I think the thing is, in fact, every country and every community has its own unique qualities. 100%. Australia is not the rest of the world. And uh, there's unique things that can only happen here. And uh, it's great to get those stories out there. And, and I think that's probably reflected in the way we think about success. So with that, Murray, let's get into it. Now, over the course of Series 9, we have asked every guest about success. And it turns out that the very best introduction to the topic, well, it came from that very first guest on Series 9, Jason Calacanis. Here's Jason's very clear and very operational definition of a successful startup. And what I've come down to is the flywheel for me is a great product that delights customers, that allows you to make enough money to have great employees who then study those customers and make the product better. And so there really are, at the end of the day, three things that happen in our industry. Number one, you make a great product. Well, who does that? People, the team. So the team makes great product, and then that product hits reality. And reality is customers. And you have to study the customers, both their data and anecdotally through user interviews. And what we found is the companies that are innovating early and listening to their customers early and engaging customers early do phenomenal. So if you are ultra focused on your customers and really building a great product and you have that ability to build a beautiful design, beautiful UX, and things tend to work out really well uh, in my experience. So I really like the idea that you've identified what's essentially a positive feedback loop where you have good enough product, which is then providing good enough revenue to provide for good enough employees to make the good enough product better with better revenue for better employees so that you get this real virtuous cycle going. So that yeah. sounds like something that is easy to look at a business and say, mm -hmm. do we have that? Do we not? How far are we from that? And then there's Matt Allen. Now, Matt Allen is the friend of and occasional co-host of This Week in Startups Australia. He had this little quip to add to what Jason said. I think customer obsession should be the exhaust of a really focused and aligned team. Customer obsession, though, customer obsession is a deep subject. And it's a deep subject because it's not a static subject. It's constantly moving, as Annie Parker from Microsoft for Startups points out. You're never, ever done with the product market fit conversation. Keep going back to your customers, getting those reviews, getting the updates from them on what they love, what they don't love about what you're doing. Because again... Even though you may have done this six months ago, the world changes really quickly. So never, ever drop that kind of product review with your customers. Murray, what do you reckon? Is that focus on customer obsession the foundation for success? Uh, I think obsession makes me think of an unusual focus on something. Um, but honestly, I think entrepreneurs just are there to take care of customers. Uh, uh, I would, as an entrepreneur, I would trust thousands of motivated customers to provide feedback and, and guide a product development much more than I would trust any given entrepreneur to divine it out of their own uh, experience. 
uh, except for some rare exceptions. So yes, I think it is the, the default and should be. All right, Murray, we're going to go formal now and we're going to look at the data, which actually turned out to be surprisingly easy because we had Fingerprint for Success founder Michelle Duval on the show, and she shared this juicy bit of research. And so we looked at a study looking at people who had sold their businesses between 6 million and 1.2 billion. And we looked at the mindset, leadership, motivational styles of those leaders versus founders who had actually had to liquidate their businesses and go bankrupt. And we found some significant distinguishing um, correlations. One of them was that those most successful leaders in high growth ventures have what we call a very strong bias for abstract big picture things. They're comfortable with ambiguity. They don't need a lot of detail to be able to understand something, which means they're able to move really very quickly. We found many correlations with more rounds of venture capital, larger scale in those high growth ventures. And we also found, um, importantly, that they were able to achieve significant value, whether it be through an IPO or whether it be through some sort of an exit. Similarly to what we call that abstract big picture global thinking, we also found kind of the definition of hustle in a high growth venture, which is a bias for initiation. So initiation is the speed at which you turn your ideas into the very first step. And comparatively to uh, enterprise leaders, they were high growth leaders, nearly one standard deviation got a stronger bias than the enterprise leader for taking action on their ideas. Again, correlated with more scale, again, correlated with more venture capital, correlated with bigger exits and IPOs. We found alongside those two success factors, we found two critical uh, failure factors. One was a high focus on detail. So being concrete and very specific and perfecting things correlated with early stage venture failure. And we saw that a high focus on structure. So planning, organizing before taking action was correlated with early stage venture failure. But what we saw in our high growth ventures that are scaling is that their focus on detail and structure needs to increase as the venture scales. And very often the leaders who are successful in the early stages fail to make that transition. There's a lot there to unpack, but I reckon the one thing we need to take away from that is that the most successful entrepreneurs learn how to thrive in ambiguity. And that's a point that Airtasker founder Tim Fung also made. I think that one of the most important things for success is um, as a leader to be able to like live on that knife edge. Um, and what I mean by that is that Often, you know, it becomes something that we want to do is like just reduce complexity in our brains. And so we're looking for answers. Like, how do I take this ambiguous thing, this, um, this spectrum of, uh, of possibilities and just come up with the answer? Just give me one answer. And I think that often when we do that, we end up bookending and we take extremes of, of, of something. Like, you know, we can say like the most important thing in a company is culture. Don't have to worry about strategy, just worry about culture. And then, you know, we spend all our time doing culture and no time doing strategy. Or the reverse is true. We spend all our time on strategy and no time on culture. And I think as a founder, I think one of the most important things is to be able to get comfortable with living in that ambiguity and being able to live on that knife edge of not, of knowing that it's not extremely one way and it's not extremely the other way, but to be able to like form your own opinions and, and form your own position and then being comfortable with moving that knife edge along that spectrum and, you know, being able to go left and right, but ultimately to be really confident in your own position. But along with that ambiguity and probably generating a bit of friction is the need for the entrepreneur to believe. 
believe in themselves, in the team, in the work. Ben Smith, co-founder of TeamGage, he talked about that fine balance between belief and ambiguity. You have to have sort of an unrelenting belief that you can succeed, but you have to also accept the brutal reality. And that those two things together is what drives success, right? You need to be able to say, no, 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 we can make this work. But actually, the thing we're doing right now does not work at all. Let's come at it from a different angle. You know, you, you got to believe in the, in the mission, but be willing to change and change quickly. Murray... Do successful founders need to tolerate, maybe even embrace ambiguity? And how do they keep moving forward when they're resigned to not knowing necessarily where they're headed? No, that sounds terrifying. Uh, I think for anyone listening to this, uh, if you are someone that is not comfortable working in uncertainty and you hear these uh, snips from before and other advice that people have or entrepreneurs talking about how they persevered despite the uncertainty they had to deal with and you're thinking oh that's not me I don't think I can do that Um, I think this is what generates some of the problems we have in every startup ecosystem that people look at the stereotypes of people that are out there uh, and think that doesn't look like me maybe I shouldn't do this and I think there are millions of people out there for whom Having certainty before they do something is just a normal thing. They can try as hard as they like to encourage themselves to do things despite the ambiguity. But I think sometimes I just have to say, okay, I'm going to be a different kind of entrepreneur and I'm going to be more certain before I take these steps and I'm going to be more certain along the way and be comfortable with how different they are. There is a a world like we have again and again through human history had things develop where people kind of latch on because it looks like something they can do or people like them are doing it and other people get excluded. And it happens time and time and time again. And it's happening again now. It's going to happen again in the future and we need to push back on it. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. When we come back, we'll take a deep look into some of the most important characteristics of successful founders. Twista Series 9 is proudly sponsored by User Testing. Are you launching a new product, developing a new prototype, rolling out a new campaign? User Testing lets you see, hear, and talk to your customers to understand how they experience your brand, your product, and your services. Put yourself in your customer's shoes with real-time video feedback from User Testing. The user testing human insight platform allows you to target your exact audience, ask them any question, or give them a task to perform. It's a tech platform that connects brands with their target audiences to get feedback on any experience. Testers get paid $10 for their time. Now, the users aren't doing this to get rich. They're doing this because they really want to help make your products and services better. Watch, listen, and observe the reactions so that you can connect the dots and keep improving. You'll get feedback within hours and then strengthen your relationship with customers. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash Twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. And we're back on This Week in Startups Australia with UTS Startups' Murray Herps. 
One of the points made by a lot of the folks that we talked to, Murray, was the need for successful founders to have a fair bit of self-knowledge. And here's what Petra Andren, and she turned Sakata Ventures into a deep tech powerhouse. Here's what she and Carthona Capital's Dean Durrell had to say about entrepreneurial self-knowledge. I like founders who have self-awareness and know what they're good at. I really believe in this build on your strengths and outsource your weaknesses and know what those weaknesses are. Being self-aware is also really, really important because people can persuade a lot of other people, including themselves. That persuasiveness also has this double-edged thing. Self-aware, you know, one of the great entrepreneurs that I've worked with, Stephen Dash at Credible, always says this, I can persuade pretty much anybody, including myself, to do this, but is it the right thing? That self-awareness gets you a hell of a long way. Now, self-knowledge, self-awareness, it can mean a lot of things. But really what they mean here, it's the ability for the founder to see themselves as they really are, warts and all. As Startmates Alan Jones notes, it's the ability to face your flaws honestly. I think the other thing that I like to see in founders is that for most of us working in in tech startups, there's an opportunity to face your flaws and and your weaknesses and be mature enough to to recognize that to succeed you're going to need to either work on those you know kind of neglect your your innate talents and work on those skills in which you're weakest either that or you're going to need to find a way to outsource that in, in an affordable scalable and sustainable way over time and rescue mike nichols over at main sequence ventures he says it's the ability for a founder to accept that they may well be wrong I think the founders have to be very self-aware and intellectually honest with themselves. For example, somebody will come and say, I'm forecasting XYZ in sales. Seriously? Are you going to do that? They say, absolutely. I'm like, hmm, okay, that's really interesting. We both know that forecast is not true. We just don't know how wrong it is yet. And so, you know, maybe you can get the cost forecast relatively right, but we know the revenue is just not going to be right. Let's just both get on the same page here and agree that this is a hypothesis. We still have to run a bunch of experiments to work out whether that forecast is real or not real yet. Once a founder can admit they might be wrong, but that they can still trust themselves, well, that's when the path opens up, according to Michelle Duval. Self-efficacy is the belief and trust, I'll figure it out as I go. And the comfort with the, the first step might be the wrong step and that you calibrate that and use that as feedback. So we think of that as thinking on the go rather than pausing and waiting while you think. That really is the epitome of that high growth hustle. We, we've got a whole lot of data sets of unicorn founders and in the unicorn founders, they are even higher on this initiation and they have even lower reflection of patience than their centurion founding friends who, you know, have $100 million exits. Faith in yourself, it's clearly one element in success. But what about faith in and being able to work with others? The basis of that lies in communication and relationality. And that's a core indicator of success for Gelix Ventures CEO, Andrea Gardner. I look for people with like a history of long-term relationships because people with long-term relationships suggest they're reasonably capable and competent at interpersonal relationships that hopefully will augur well for developing relationships with strategic partners, investors, customers, all that sort of stuff. I think that's really important. Really, really, really important for me is an ability to learn. So not just, you know, not just substantial intellectual firepower, but a lack of the emotional impediments to learning. Like someone that's got so much ego, they don't 
actually recognise that they're crap at the things they're crap at because we're all crap at things and some of those things are going to be important for building a business. Then you don't know that that's the first gap that you've got to fill you know, with someone who's really, really good at and it. And you can't be told because you have this ego filling Yeah, the and if you can't listen and learn, especially as early as we invest, because there's inevitably going to be lots of iterations, direction changes, some of big magnitude, some of small magnitude, but they're going to be a result of learning and listening to your customers and looking at the market and learning and, you know, understand, reacting to how things are, how your business is going. And if you're not able to learn, then you're not going to be able to react properly. Julie Trell from She Starts, she adds an important ingredient to Andrea's observation. Listening is more than just waiting for your turn to speak. So not just listening and saying, yeah, 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 but listening with curiosity, not trying to speak and give the answer, thinking you're right, but holding space and being delighted, listening to people that are thinking different than you. Listening is the foundation for communication and communication That's pretty much the foundation for any kind of work you want to do with your customers, with your team, and with your investors, as Julie goes on to say. The communication is so, so key. Again, with your customers, with your employees, with your investors, sharing, especially with investors as startups, letting your investors know what's going on, good, bad, and ugly. They invested in you for a reason. Don't hide that stuff. Always go in there and ask for for help. I get a lot of emails from founders that I had been working with that are asking for for something and I might not have the answer right away, but I know someone and I can help them and I connect them and they let me know how it's going. And they're if they're struggling, that means I know that they're recognizing that they're they're struggling and they're being authentic. Communication is not a one-off, as Mike Nichols points out. It's a habit that breeds success. I mean, I've seen this many, many times where startups from very, very early days at, say, Incubate, where you and I both spend a bit of time, communicate once every month or once every quarter what they're up to. And I still read all those. Um, When they come through the email, I still look at them and think, oh, that's great, they're moving on, this is happening, and so on. Uh, But when it comes time to raise capital later on and they've been communicating with you regularly every month or every quarter, geez, the life's so much easier, right? And I I can imagine that the email list for them may have 20, 30, 50 people, 100 people on it now. Life gets a hell of a lot easier for them to raise capital because they took everybody along on the journey with them. Murray, there's so much here. There's self-knowledge, the ability to look at yourself critically, to look at your business honestly, to listen and communicate clearly. That is a lot for any one person to take on. How does a startup founder get themselves around all of that? Uh, they're all they're giving up in droves. <laughs> there's thousands of people out there that wanted to do something and now won't. Um, can we be self-aware uh, and honest uh, ourselves for a second, Mark? Of those hundreds of thousands of people that might be listening to this uh, and the many different kinds of startups that they have, what chance do we have of giving advice that will apply to all of them? Say, uh, close to zero, uh, obviously. And I'd say this can be a trap for founders uh, when they try to adopt a tactic used by someone else and someone else, particularly with different enablers at a different time in a different kind of company. And they take that in and think they should be doing that automatically as well. Maybe they shouldn't be on a VC path that ends up blasting every VC in the country with updates every month, hoping that that puts them on a VC path or the bootstrapped founder that is trying to treat their employees like a VC-backed oasis for their employees. I think there's a world of advice and a lot of good advice in those snippets as well. I'll, I'll make that clear. But for those people listening, I think the most important thing to be aware of is your own enablers. 
and finding people with similar enablers that did the kind of things that you want to do and learning directly from those entrepreneurs. Wow. So be aware of your own enablers. Okay, that's fantastic, Murray. When we return, we'll explore the most universally noted quality of success, resilience. Twista Series 9 is proudly sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. With Squarespace, you can blog, publish content, promote your business, announce upcoming events and special projects, sell products and services of all kinds, and much more. No matter what you need to do online, Squarespace has the answer. They've got beautiful templates by world-class designers along with powerful e-commerce functionality to help you sell from day one. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, Plus, it has built-in SEO, free and secure hosting, and 24-7 award-winning customer support. From websites to online stores, from marketing tools to analytics, Squarespace has what you need to succeed online. Go to squarespace.com twista for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the code twista to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com twista. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. I'm here with Murray Herps of UTS Startups, and we're looking at the must-have qualities for founders. Now we come to the big one, resilience. It was highlighted by nearly every person we spoke with. Here's Dean Durrell and Andrea Gardner on resilience. The really, really, really big one is resilience, because this journey is a tough one. You know, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs do very well, do very badly. Even the people that do very well, and it comes quickly, they've had to deal with some tough things. And so that resilience, knowing that you've got that resilience, and it's a muscle, you know, for entrepreneurs that are out there saying, I'm not sure I'm, I'm that resilient. Well, everybody feels like that at some stage, and you just need to keep going. I think with resilience, though, I think it's much more than a muscle. I think it's actually comes down, you don't have to be that tough. I think you need good support networks around you and people that can say they're there or whatever. And the important thing is you can fall down, but as long as you dust off your knees and get up and have a go again and keep going. That's the important thing because pe people talk about how important that resilience is, and it is, but it's not a just tough it out. That moment when a founder needs to get back up and dust themselves off, that's the whole of the thing, according to Microsoft Startups' Annie Parker. Never stop. Keep going. I know it's hard. And I know that, you know, sometimes you probably do want to give it all up and probably go and get a job stacking shelves in a supermarket. That's the moment when you shouldn't stop because that's, that's the toughness of what you need to be as a, you know, a, a long-term founder. You have to invest in yourself as a leader, though. Um, you can't be expected to know everything at all times. Five years into her own journey, Team Gage co-founder Noel Smith shares what resilience looks like day to day. I think looking back, it's always just been about staying in the game, just finding a way. As a bootstrapped company, there's been some 
really tight months where you're waiting on clients paying bills to hit payroll and it's very stressful. But, you know, we've just, just whatever it takes, always finding a way to, to just stay alive. And I think if you can do that with a, with a SaaS company, with the right type of business model, with, you know, ARR that grows year on year, if you can stay in the game, you inevitably will succeed. So I think persistence. That kind of resilience, according to Alfred Lowe, is very attractive to investors. And uh, you, know, you, you know it when you see it. Founders are, will run through walls and they have the hustle and they have the focus. And, and it's, it's, you know, lambast me if you like, but, you know, it's that gut feeling, that pattern recognition. You just, you just know the, the people that are going to get the job done. And um, it's that special twinkle that, that you look for in the founding teams. Naturally, you know, they have to come with, it generally comes with experience and, and, and their attitude and, and their skills and maybe their qualifications. But, uh, you know, that's, that's often where, where the magic's at. All of it. Resilience. Hanging in there. Getting back up again and getting back to it. That is a continuous act of discipline. Ian Gardner, legendary ecosystem founder in Australia, he shared what discipline meant for him in our last episode. Discipline. I mean, the, the discipline that comes from anyone who's been an elite athlete knows just how hard it is. And just some days you just absolutely do, you know, might be pouring with rain or freezing cold, or you're just tired or you're hungover, whatever the, the answer might be. You don't want to go training. Like those are the moments. And it's those, you know, your life is made up of millions of small moments. And if, if you can shift the balance in those small moments to make better decisions and generally speaking, harder decisions, you know, every decision you have, if you in, in, you know, when you're weighing them up are in, in more, more cases than average, taking the harder decision, you are more likely to be successful. Murray, I love how Ian brings it down to an atomic level, that the founder's life is made up of millions of small moments and you use the decisions you make in those small moments to shift the balance towards success. You've seen a lot of startups, Murray. What have you learned about resilience? It's super simple. People who do things are more likely to start things. Uh, and people who continue things are more likely to grow whatever they've started. I think when people are talking about resilience, I think everyone has a different level of resilience, but also their resilience comes from a different place. Uh, for example, with entrepreneurs, have they made commitments to their employees? Have they made commitments to their investors, to their peers? Uh, I think a lot of founders fall into situations where they must be resilient rather than being resilient already. And uh, again, for people listening, don't pretend that that resilient entrepreneur you've seen is the only kind of person that can be an entrepreneur. Try to figure out where their resilience is coming from uh, and where your resilience might come from as well. Wow, that is great. Thank you so much, Murray. And please come back on to part two of this episode as we look for more of the signs of startup success. I'll see you there. Twister Series 9 is proudly sponsored by Odoo. One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and service providers to use. You want to pick the best tool for each department to help your employees succeed because they deserve the best. 
and you want to be frugal and not spend too much. There are so many functions in a startup, and each space has endless vendors. There's sales tools, email marketing, accounting, HR and payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale, e-commerce. It goes on and on, and eventually you end up with a Frankenstack of tools that cost a lot and don't integrate properly. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you scale your business. It's simple and modular, so you use what you need, and all of their apps integrate perfectly with each other. Plus, it's all open source, so you can spend capital on talent instead of expensive software. Take your pick from accounting, project management, invoicing, sales, marketing automation, help desk, timesheets, inventory, and so much more. Your first app is free forever, and right now, Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's no joke. Take $1,000 off. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twista. Big thanks to our Twista sponsors, User Testing, Squarespace, and Odoo. Thanks to our production partners at UTS Startups for their assistance. Thanks to Murray Herps of UTS Startups for taking time to come on to our show. Come visit our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. Now that we've fixed the feed, it has all of the shows, all of the interviews, all the photos and links to all of the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We will be back next week with our Series 9 final as we finish laying the foundations for startup success. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia. 